The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Gemara Ta'anit. Today's daf has been dedicated by David and Ilana Meyer in honor of the wedding of Claudia and Jonathan Menasseh of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We wish the new couple to have many years of happiness, health, shalom bayit, berachah v'hatzlachah, and all good things. Amen. Daf Chaf Aleph. Today's daf is being studied in the Nishmat Avraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihinu Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied the Fu'ash Shalema Eliyahu Hayim Ben Sophia Shafi'a. El Narefana No. Betoch Shar Chodeh Amo Israel. Amen. We begin on the Fu'ash Shalema Amud Bet, Amud Rishon, right on the top line. Ilfa Vrabi Yohanan Havu Garse Beolaita. Ilfa was the name of a rabbi. Ilfa and Rabbi Yohanan. They were both studying Torah. But they were having a hard time. Meaning there was aniyut. They, was, they were poverty stricken. So they said to each other, Let us get up, leave the yeshiva, Gotta go to work. Gotta support ourselves. And we will fulfill on ourselves. The Pasuk says that you should try, that you sh- yourself should not be Ebyon. You should not be poor. Which means we're, we're, we're poverty stricken now. We have to take uh, tzedakah from the people. Let's go, get, go to work, get a job, and we'll be able to support ourselves. Azlu, so they went. They left the yeshiva. Otivu tute guda So where did they go? They went and they sat under a uh, wall that was uh, dilapidated. A wall that was like um, uh, shaky. It wasn't sturdy wall. Now, of course, obviously they didn't, they didn't realize that. Otherwise they wouldn't have sat under the wall. Because we learned yesterday's Gemara that really a person is not supposed to put himself in a situation of Sakana. But they went and they sat under it, uh, uh, let's say, to eat. Okay? Like the Gemara says, so they were eating bread. Ilfan Rabbi Hanan having lunch. Atu So two two angels appeared. So Rabbi Hanan he is one angel telling the other. Let's topple the wall on these two rabbis and let's kill them both. Look at this, they're leaving They're in the yeshiva studying Torah all day long Now they're going to go to work They're going to go and involve themselves in what the Gemara calls They're going to involve themselves in the, in the temporary When they were involved in the uh, eternal So the other angel says Shevkinu, leave me alone there's one of these two over here that his time has come. Which means he's going to become the Rosh Shiva and it's not his time to die yet. Don't, don't topple the wall yet. There's one, of, one of these two is now destined to become great. Rabbi Yohanan Shama. Rabbi Yohanan heard the angels. Ilfa lo Shama. Ilfa did not hear the angels. 
Amar le Rabbi Yohanan le Ilfa. Shamak mor mide. He tells Ilfa, did you hear anything? Amar le la. I didn't hear anything. Amar mide shamae ana. The fact that I heard the conversation, the Ilfa no shama and Ilfa did not hear. Shmamina lididi kaimali shata. Must be that the angel was talking about me, that my time has come to be the Rosh Hashiva. So the Gemara says, Amar le Rabbi Yohanan. So Rabbi Yohanan says, Ehedar, I'm going back. Ve'ukeb bin Nafshai, and I'm going to fulfill on me the Pasuk, Kilo Yahdal of Yod Mekerev Aris. That's the Pasuk also says, one thing is always going to be forever. There's always going to be poverty. So what does it mean? See, you need Aniim in the world, yeah? So I'll go back, I'll be the Ani. I'll go back to the Yeshiva. So the Gibraltar says, Rabbi Yohanan Hadar. Rabbi Yohanan went back. Ilfa lo Hadar. Ilfa did not go back. By the time Ilfa came back to the Yeshiva, meaning he went to work, he made some money, he supported himself. By the time he returned... Malikh Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan already became the Melech. He became the Rosh Hashiva. Rashi tells us that the Minhag was that whoever they appointed the Rosh Hashiva, they would give him a big salary. They make him very wealthy. And they based it on the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, That the Kohen, it says, That is greater than his brothers. So the Gemara learns from over there that the Kohen has to be wealthy. And if he's not wealthy, that the brothers, his brothers have to make him wealthy. So similarly, the Rosh Hashimah, that they would give him certain amount of salary. The, the reason why they would make the Rosh Hashimah rich is very, very simple. Because in order for people, uh, number one, to wield their influence over, let's say, certain segments of the Kahal, Certain people only listen to those that have money. The person not going to have wealth and power says, ah, "Who's this guy over here? Is a poor man? Who's, he's going to preach now and tell me?" So therefore, it's also to give them uh, influence that they be able to give their rulings. But more importantly, it was in order that the Rosh Hashiva does not be intimidated by anybody, because now he has all the backing, so nobody can bribe him, nobody can uh, influence him, nobody's able to. to you know, change his opinion. Thirdly, the reason why they made the Rosh Hashiva rich is in order to remove all the pressures of Ulama Zeh from him in order that he can be dedicated and study the Torah. His Rosh Hashiva has to have the most clarity. So therefore, they take care of his Parnassah for him. He doesn't have to worry about the Dohak of Parnassah. He's able to, to teach, obviously, with clarity. And, of course, uh, learn. So they tell uh, Ilfa, If you would have came back and continued learning and studied Torah, We wouldn't have made Rabbi Yohanan the Rosh Hashiva. Which means if you would have came back, they would have made you the Rosh Hashiva. They were trying to say, you're better than Rabbi Yohanan. He was a smarter, he had more knowledge. And therefore you lost your opportunity. You went to work, and you, you, you fell from your level. If you would come back, you would have had this destiny. So, Ilfa now I wanted to show them, what do you think? Just because I went to work, I didn't lose my Madriga. I'm still uh, holding, I didn't uh, fall from my, uh, from my level. So what did he do? Azal, he went, Talan Nafsheh, he went and he 
literally he, uh, he hung himself, but that's not, uh, doesn't mean that. It means he stood over there by where? Be'iskariyad de Sfinta. Iskariyad, as she says, is klunas etz aruch takuah belev sefina. Maybe they call that the mast. Which means it's a long pole that they have on the boats. That's where they put the uh, sails on the boats. So he stood all the way on top uh, of the mast in order to announce uh, to everybody the following. Amar. Let's somebody come and ask me. A braita of Rabhiyav Rabushaya, those two rabbis were the ones that set up all the Braitot. Let somebody come and ask me. Uh, a Braita from Rabbi Yoshaya or Rabhiyah. And if I'm not able to give you the source of the Braita from a Mishnah, because all the Braitot really have a source in a Mishnah somewhere. Right, that Rabbi Kadosh wrote. Rabbi Kadosh ordered the, uh, set up the Mishnayot. His students, Rabbi Kadosh's students, were Rabbi Yoshaya and Rabbi They set up the Braito. So he says, "Let somebody come and test me. Ask me any Braita, and I will show you the source of that Braita from the Mishnah. And if I can't, I'll jump off the mast and I'll drown." Of course, he wasn't saying that literally, but he was trying to show that he didn't fall from his madrega. So you tell me that because uh, I went to work now, I'm not uh, that we to be the Rosh Shiva. Here, test me, ask me any brayta. Atai Saba, so an old uh, old scholar came along. Tanale, he quotes from the following brayta. This brayta is referring to a person that has children, and he's on his deathbed, and he appoints an executor of his will. I Meaning he's in charge of giving out the money to his children. So the Gabaraz, the Brayta says like this. Ha'omer tenu shekel lebanai b'shabbat. He says like this. Give my children one shekel a week allowance. B'shabbat meaning a week. That's the, uh, the, the Yerushai is giving them. One shekel a week. That's their uh, salary. Then do we not them But really they need more. They need double that. He's giving them a short, uh, small uh, salary. They really they need to sustain themselves. They need a selah. Not naim selah. You give them a selah. Wait, wait a minute. He only said give them a shekel. How could you give them a uh, selah? So that she explains is really he wants them to get everything that they deserve, that they need to live. The reason why he only told them to give them a shekel is because he wants them to be zealous to go to work. He doesn't want the children to get lazy. The children know that they're going to get all the money that they need for the for the week. They're going to say, hey, what do we got to go uh, go to work for? What do we got to get a job for? So the kids say, hey, our father's only giving us uh, a shekel. Where, where are we going to get the other parnasah uh, from? Oh, so it's gonna, they're going to have to go to work. But in truth, the uh, one that's giving out the money, he can give them the full sale. Why? Because if the father only wanted to give a shekel, he would have said, give them only a shekel. Right? You didn't say give them only a shekel. You just said give them a shekel a week. So the fact that he didn't limit it by saying only a shekel, he means give them even uh, a sale what they need. And that's the next case. Right? If his language was only a shekel, ela shekel, ela shekel. Then that's it. You give them only a, a shekel. Imamar... Yeah. If let's say the father said, If let's say he made the following stipulation. Give them however much money, we'll see now, a week. 
in the event that the children die and they don't have any inheritors, others are going to inherit them. Which means he, he appoints other people that are going to be Yoresh. When he wants, it seems that the, the father wants, in the event that there's going to be uh, leftovers from his estate, from his will, he wants, uh, and the children die, he wants the money to go to somebody else. Good? So the Gebarah says, if that's what he stipulates, Ben She'amar Tenu, Ben She'amar Altitnu, En Notim Laem Ela Shekel. Then whether he says, give them a shekel, or only give them a shekel, they only get a shekel regardless. You don't give them more. Now what's the lot? That was the Braita. Okay? So uh, uh, Ilfa is standing on the mast of the boat. Anybody quote me a Braita, I'll give you the source in the Mishnah. So an old rabbi comes along, tells him, yeah, what's the source? Who's the author of this uh, Braita in the Mishnah? Who, who, who is this opinion over here that says that if he stipulates that I want the leftovers of this Yerushah to go to somebody else, then you only give a shekel under all circumstances. Who's the author of that? So if I says right away, Amar leha, Marit Abim Meiri. Says the Pashut, it's Abim Meiri. The Amar mitzvah lekayim devrehamet. Abim Meiri has a shita. It's a mitzvah to fulfill the words of the mit. Obviously, before he dies, which means like this: this guy over here, before he died, he said, "What? Well, I want the leftovers of this yirusha." Others should inherit it. After my children die, I want others to benefit from it. Now, since there's a mitzvah to fulfill the words of the myth, it's a mitzvah now to see to it that there's going to be leftovers. Because you see his will. He wants others to, to benefit from this money. If you're going to give a, a selah, you're going, to, you're going to blow the money. You're going to give them a lot of money every week. There's not going to be any leftovers. And you see in the, in the heart of the myth, he really wants others to be yoresh. Because... If it wasn't like that, if there was no mitzvah, I'd say, you know what? Give them the, the selah. They, they, they need the selah to live. Give them the full selah. But since it's a mitzvah to fulfill the vrahmet, and you see that the vrahmet is what? That he wants, in the event that his sons dies, others to have Yerusha, then you got to conserve. you got to do anything in your power to what? To make sure there's going to be leftovers. How do you do that? You give them the smaller salary. Look at the Rashi. Hamani. I'm, I look at the, on the left side, there's two columns of Rashi over here. Mm-hmm. The left column of Rashi, Amar le ilfa hamani, diktari afagav de lo safke be batsin mitzela, even though they cannot sustain themselves. With less than a sell, lo yavina le ila shekel, who's the opinion that's only a shekel, the bibiri, da amar, meskitoho, batim, mitzvah le kayim de vramet. The ilav mitzvah, because if it wasn't a mitzvah to fulfill the words of the myth, menadin notim lahem kol harauy lahem. We give them everything they need. Because <laughs> bottom line right now, who's the money belong to? It's the children. So long as they're alive, it's, it's their money. Those other inheritors, they have no stake in the money. Their stake only takes hold after the original children die. If there's leftovers, they take. If there's no leftovers, they shouldn't take. But since there's an yan to the kayim mitzvat v'ramet, shirishua hayim tachtem, anu mekamesim et hamamon kedeshi esham motar. Which means, since it's a mitzvat of the words of the met, and we know that he wants others to inherit, 
So then what do we do? We're mikamitz. We're stingy. It means we hold back the salaries in order there'll be a leftovers in order others can inherit. So right away, Ilfa got the, uh, he got the braita. He already uh, traced it back to the bimi'ir from the Mishnah. But still, it was too late. He missed his, uh, he missed his moment. Rabbi Hanan ended up becoming the Rosh Hashiva and not Ilfa. Amru alav al nahum ish gamzu. There was a great rabbi, and they called him Nahum Ish Gamzu. There's two opinions amongst the Shunim why they called him Ish Gamzu. Some say, because the city that he came from was called Gamzu. That's the name of the town. So they called him Nahum from Gamzu, from the city of Gamzu. Others explain, like the Gemara will tell us shortly, that since he had a very uh, 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 good attitude on the uh, events in life, that he would always say, whenever things would happen, Gamzu the Toba. This too is for the best. So they uh, nicknamed him Nahum Ish Gamzu. The one that always says Gamzu Letoba. He was blind in both his eyes. Gidem Yadav. His two arms were cut off. Kiteya Raglav. As well as his two legs were also cut off. Vechol Gufo and his whole body was filled with boils. And he was lying in a house that was dilapidated. And the legs of his bed, they put the legs in buckets of water. Why? So the ants will not be able to crawl up on him. Because if the ants crawl on him, they'll eat him alive. Because he can't, they can't move. He's a, he's, a, he's a paraplegic. He cannot move. And therefore, in order that the ants don't crawl up, so when they crawl up the side of the bed, they fall into the, into the water. So they won't, won't be able to, to harm him. So one time, his bed was in this dilapidated house. So they wanted to take him out of the house. And then to take out the vessels from the house. <laughs> First, take out the vessels. And then take out my bed. So long as I'm in the house, the house is not going to fall. But if you're going to take me out, the house is going to fall and you're going to lose the kelim. So what they do? Pinu etakirim. First they took out the vessels. Ve'arkak pinu etmitato. Then they took out his bed. Ve'nafal habayit. And right away they took out the uh, the rabbi. Immediately the house, the house fell. Comes the Gemara and continues and says, Amru lo talmidav Rabbi vechi me'achar shesadik gamur ata. Here's something come on. Look at this miracle that just happened to you. Why did this happen to you? Blind, no arms, no legs, boils over the whole body. So I caused it to myself. Since he was going to his father-in-law's house. He had three donkeys with him. Loaded up. One loaded up with food, one with drinks. And was all sorts of uh, delicacies, goodies. So a poor man came right, and stood in front of me on the road. 
Rabbi, please give me, give me panasa, give me something to, to, to eat. Amarti lo, hamten achef rok menachamor. So, okay, tell me one minute. Let me, let me uh, uh, take the food off the hamor. It seems the food was in sacks. So he has to untie it. He has to get the, uh, the food out of him. With respect to the fruk mena hamor, by the time I was able to unload the food from the hamor, he passed away, he died. So he says, immediately I went and I fell over this man's face. The eyes that did not have mercy on you, they should go blind. He's talking about himself. The hands that did not have mercy, they should become severed. Why? Because Nehomish Gamzu held <coughs> that really he was too slow in his reaction. He shouldn't have went and untied the bags in, in the way that he did. It's too much time. He should have jumped off the hamot and just tear into it. The guy over here could be on his last breath. He just, just ripped it open. But he didn't want to rip it open. He went you know, nicely and untied it. So it's the hands that didn't rip through the, 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 the sack immediately, they should be severed. The legs that do not have mercy on you should be cut off. Why did the legs have mercy? It seems uh, he got off the hamor in the normal way. He should have jumped off the hamor in order to, 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 to open the, uh, the bags. He says, he still wasn't appeased, Nahomish Gamzu. With all that he wished upon himself, the blindness he wished on himself, is because the Gemara says, <coughs> A blind man is considered as if he's dead. He caused this person to die, at least that's what he held, so therefore he wanted to have also his own death. <coughs> but he wasn't settled. amarti. <coughs> <coughs> that his whole body should be racked with boils. That's uh, similar to tzara'at, which is like leprosy, which the Gemara also says, commit. So he wanted two forms of death to be placed on him. So the rabbis ask, how come he didn't ask to be poor? Also says, Ani hashuv commit. You know, once already he's looking for different methods to make himself like a dead man, let him pray that he should be poor. So the Mephashim answer, because that would be already Havla Harini. His poverty would affect others. Because now he has a family. He has to support uh, other uh, Aniim. So him asking for poverty is going to affect others negatively. So he didn't ask for that. So they tell their rabbi, Woe to our eyes. That we see you in such a state. Woe to me if you didn't see me like this. Which means what Nahum was saying is I'm getting my, my punishment in this world better than I get my punishment in this world than in the next world for what I did. I did well, this is his, uh, so to speak, his kaparan, his tikkun. Woe if you didn't see me like this. So why do they call him Nahomish Anything that happened to him, all the occurrences that happened to him, Amar Gamzu de Toba would say this is for the best. one time They wanted to send a gift to the Caesar to appease the Caesar, the Roman Caesar. Amru Who who gonna send? Who's gonna go? 
Yizid Nahum Ish Gamzu. The Melumad Benisimu. Nahum Ish Gamzu, he's... Miracles happen to him. She's a miracle worker. Things happen to him miraculously. So therefore he's the one to send. Shadru Tobot So they sent them a chest filled with Abanim Tobot, precious stones and pearls. Azali went bat bahudira. He went he slept in a certain inn. Belilya Kamuhana The residents that were living in that house, Vishaklinu the Sifta, they took his treasure of uh, jewels. Umalunu Afra, and they filled it up with dirt. Kimatatam, when he got to the palace, Sharinu the Sifta, they opened up the treasure. Hazanu the Malu Afra, and all the king's men saw that it was filled with nothing but dirt. The king wanted now kill not only Nahum, but he wanted to kill all the Jewish people. Amar, the king said, Are the Jews are mimicking me? They're making jokes from me. Amar Gamzu Litova. Naomi's Gamzu said, It's all for the best. Ata Eliyahu. Eliyahu and Avi appeared. Idmele Kehad Minayu. He appeared as one of the king's men. Amar Lehi, so he tells the king, Dilma Afra Me Afra de Avran Abuhun. How do you know? Maybe this uh, dirt over here is the dirt from Avraham, their father, Avraham Abinu. Dehi Havashade Afra. And we have a tradition, the Jews, that when he used to throw the dirt, Havu Saifa. It would turn into a saif. A saif is a sword. Gile, when he used to throw the cash, the straw, havu gire, it turned into arrows. Shedichtiv, yitain ke'afar harbo, ke'kash nidaf kashto. The pasuk says, the afar turned into hirev, which is a sword, and the cash turned into what? Kashto, kashto is his bow and arrow. Havya hadam vidinta delo matzul mechbesha. Was a certain uh, enemy that the king had, a certain uh, province that he wasn't able to overcome them. So he said, "You know what? Badkumina. Let's, let's try out this uh, afar and see if it works." And sure enough, the chavshuha, they were able to beat them. Also, they came to the wall. They took this dirt. They started throwing it at the enemies. It turned into arrows. It turned into swords. They were victorious. So they went into the king order to go into his uh, treasury. Go give the homies gamzu now. Fill them up with all uh, silver, gold, abanim tobot, etc. They sent him with great honor. When they came back, it seems they even escorted him. Because when he went, he went alone. And coming back, it says, Ki'atu, when they came back. It seems that the king even escorted him back. So they slept in the same, uh, in the same resident, the same inn. Amru Wow. What did you give the king that they gave you all this kavod? And they saw the entourage of uh, people with him. What, 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 what kind of gift did you give them? They knew what, the, what it was. They knew it was dirt. So how, how, did, you, how did you appease the king with this? So he tells them, So he gave them a rivers. He said, whatever I took from here, that's what I brought there. It's the stuff that you replaced uh, my uh, jewels with. I brought them, I brought them the dirt. So they said to themselves, listen, we have this commodity in our backyard. So they, they took apart their whole residence, which they went in the backyard and they dug the whole backyard, they filled all these uh, uh, um, chests 
filled them with the dirt to the extent where the, 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 they, they destroyed the whole foundation of their uh, inn. And they brought it to the king. So they tell the king, So what do you think? The afar that this guy Nahum brought, where did he got it from? He got it from us, where the supply is. But So they went, they tested it out. But it didn't work. And the king ended up killing those thieves of the inn. So you see again, that's what they called him, Nahum Ish Gamzu. Now we continue in the Gemara. Quote from the Mishnah, So we said that there's a type of uh, disease or a type of plague that's called Debir. Debir literally is pestilence. But we're not talking about pestilence that kills animals. We're talking about pestilence that kills the human beings. So we said that if there's Debir in the city, immediately you have to call a fish, you have to call out in Tefillah, Shofarot, etc. So what is Debir? So the Mishnah said if you have a city that has 500 residents and three people die, in three consecutive days, which means one a day for three days, that's already David. Right? And that's why you have to call out right away in Tani. So the Gemara says, If you have a city, the Hagotabach is the word Gedola. So let's say you have a big city that has 1,500 people. Now when we say, People, we don't mean children, we don't mean women. We mean able-bodied men. 1,500. As an example, like the village of Akko. Which means three a day for three days, which is the same ratio. Right? One a day for three days for 500, so three a day for three days for 1500. Hare ze That's considered But let's say all nine die in one day. That's not considered debit. That's already, uh, uh, it's death, but it's not following the system of debit that would require a fasting. Or let's say the nine pass away in four days. That's not considered debit. Yes, it's unusual death. It's really not unusual the way that she learns like it's a teva. This is considered natural uh, occurrence. Actually, not natural. Everything's on Olam. But it's not the set plague of debit. They have to be concerned in that uh, in that system. Now, you have a city that has 500 men. Like the Kfar Amiku, the Gemara is giving examples of different cities that were known that had these ratios. Three dead in three consecutive days, that is considered Debit. If they all die in one day or in four days, Rashi says, It's already, uh, it's happening. It's not considered Debit. Drokeret, the city of Drokeret. Eira motzi'ah hamesh me'ot ragdihava. There was 500 people living in the Drokeret. V'yatsu memena shilosha me'etim be'yom ehad. What happened? Three people died in one day. Gazan of Nachman bar of Hezda ta'alita. So of Nachman bar of Hezda, he called the fast. So Amar of Nachman bar Yitzhak, keman kerebi me'ir. So who are we, who are we going like? 
So we're going like uh, the opinion of Rabbi Meir. The Amar, the Hek Negihotav Hayav. Kirev Negihotav, no Koshikin. Which means like this Masikal Baba Kama. You have a type of short, an ox, that's called a short nagah. What's a short nagah? Where he's a short mu'ad, where he's accustomed to gore three times or more. Once he gores three times or more, now already when he gores again, he has the owner of the short has to pay full damages. Nizik shalim. The first three times, however, he's called a tam. Tam means he's not yet accustomed to gore yet. And therefore the payment is what's called Hatsi Nezik. That's the rule of a, a, a Mu'ad. Now, the Gemara discusses what makes a short a Mu'ad. So the Gemara says, if let's say in three consecutive days, he gores. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that makes him a Mu'ad. But if it's on the same day, he's not a Mu'ad. So according to Rav Nahman, uh, he quotes the Bimi'ir over there. The Bimi'ir says, what are you talking? If on three consecutive days... It makes him a mu'ad. Kul sheken on one day. If he does it three in one day, kul sheken is going to become a mu'ad. Which he's showing himself as a pattern. So similarly he said, if you tell me that it's David on three consecutive days where one person dies, kul sheken where three in one day, or the most of the you see there's a plague over here. And if we have to make a ta'ani. So that's why he called the ta'iagas on, uh, on the Mishnah. The Mishnah that David is only one a day for three days. He says, He's a Mu'ad. All the more so. Let's read Rashi. Look at Rashi, left side. See Rashi? What's considered a short time? What's considered a short was warned mitemol yesterday and the day before mitemol now what's yesterday and the day before means today yesterday the day before that's three days mitemol today shulchom tlat hare gimel yamim if the Torah is telling you that in three consecutive days it's considered a Torah, what if it happens in the same day? So that was the opinion of Rav Nachman, Bar of Hazdai, was following Rabbi Meir in Masechet Baba Kama. That's why he called the first day, even when three died on the same day. That was his logic. Comes the Gemara and says, Amal Rav Nachman, Bar of Hazdai, Rav Nachman, Bar Yitzhak. So Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak, Bar Hazda, Bar Hazda tells Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak, Likumor lite legaban. It seems that Rav Bar Yitzhak lived in an area where there's not too many tamidei hakamim. So Rav Nachman Bar Hazda says, Why don't you come and uh, move to us? Come, uh, come live with us. Amar le. So he tells him. So Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak tells Rav Nachman Bar Hazda. Tanina, we have a brayta. Rabbi Yosemir, lo mekomoshil adam mechabedo. It's not the place that brings a person honor. Ela adam mechabed et mekomo. It's the man that brings honor to the place. Which means, what you think? I'm gonna move to 
to your place, right? Your place is going to be more honor. Doesn't work that way. The man himself, he brings the kavod to the place. And therefore, if you're telling me I move to us, you'll be, you'll be received better, more kavod, more honor. It's the place does not give the kavod. It's the man that brings the honor and the dignity to the place itself. Therefore, he's giving a reason why he shouldn't move. Now, where do you see that it's the person that brings the honor to the place and not the place that brings the honor to the person? Sheken matzinu behar sinai. As long as the Shekinah was on Ar Sinai, Amra Torah, what did the Pasuk say? The animals were not allowed to graze on Har Sinai. Why? Shekinah is there. Once the Shekinah left Har Sinai, Amra Torah, the Torah says, Bimsho Kayovel. When they're going to sound the shofar, b'mshoch, when they blow a long tikiah from the shofar, hema ya'alu bahar. Then they can go up in the mountain again. What do you see over here? It wasn't Har Sinai itself, the place had any value to it. It was because the Shekhinah was in Har Sinai, now Har Sinai becomes valuable. Take away Shekhinah from Har Sinai, finish, then the animals are already uh, able uh, to go up. So it's the person that brings the kavod to the place, and not the place that brings the kavod to the person. Now it should be noted that when the Pasuk said, That was already said, by the Luchot Harishonot, when Borei Olam was giving the first Luchot to Moshe Rabbeinu, he told them that when they blow the shofar, it's going to, then the ready people can go up to the mountain. The Shekhinah stayed on the mountain for a very long time, however. The Shekhinah remained on Harisnai till all the way till the next Nisan, until the day that they inaugurated the Mishkan. And only after they inaugurated the Mishkan, then the Jewish people started to leave Har Sinai, and the Shekhinah left. So you shouldn't think that it was right away. Did it happen actually close like a year later, when Am Yisrael left, and the Shekhinah left the Har Sinai. Let's read that Rashi. Look at Rashi when it says, El Mula Arahu. See that? I just do the one before that. Gamason Bakal Al Yid'u. Dimishum Shekhinah Haya Har Sinai Mechubad U Mekudash The Shekhinah Let's support the Kiddushat Har Sinai El Mula Harahu Medikhtiba Hu Mashma Kozeman Shu Begadluto She Shekhinah Alav Then already The son of the Bakar Cannot graze Vestalaka Shekhinah Vemshuk Hayom Vafagav Da'i Kena Bilu Hotel Shonot Ketiv Even though that Pasuk that says Vemshuk Hayom When the Shofar Is going to be blown then the animals go back on the mountain. Lo nistalikas shechina ad luchot aharonot. The shechina did not leave the mountain until after the second luchot. Shnitnu biyom kipurim. Second luchot was when yom kipur. Vegam kol yomot aharif. What did they do right after kipur? After they got the second luchot, they started to construct the mishkan. Sheaskurum lekad mishkan. Sheatan shechina bahar. The shechina remained on Har Sinai. ומשם ניתנו כל המצוות בקולי קולות ולפידים ביום קבלת עשרת דברות עד אחד בניסן. And all the מצוות were given on Har Sinai was all in one, one moment throughout that season until when the month of Nisan, אחד בניסן, שקם המשכן ונסעה בין השכינה לב וזז השכינה מנהר וישבה לה על הכפורת. Then it moved to the משכן. ושם באוהל מועד נשתית התורה, התורה was given again at, by אוהל מועד through the משכן, again with all its details, ועל אותה שעה יהיה מטיל להם בלוחות הראשונות לעלות, which is, 
when Borei Olam said at the time of the first Luchot, B'mshok HaYovel, that pasuk kicked in when? Not only, not after the first Luchot, it kicked in after the second Luchot, way after the second Luchot. After the Shekhinah rested on the Kapod, which was on Rosh Hashanah Nisan, the following year, then Hemma Ya'alu Bahaz. So that she's just setting it up for us in the, uh, the proper uh, history, the proper timeline when all this happened. So guess what was the rabbi telling him? I'm going to go to your place. You think the place is going to give me Kavod? It's not the place that gives a person Kavod. A person brings dignity to the place that he's in. Similarly, the Mishkan. As long as the Mishkan was set up, you have to remember, the Mishkan was portable. Right? From when Shekhinah wanted the Amisil to travel, they would fold up the uh, of the uh, Mishkan and they would uh, travel. So, as long as the Mishkan was spread out, set up, all lepers, all people that had zavut, that's tumah, that to be sent out of the machane. When the Shekinah was was the when the when the Mishkan was established, Shekinah was there. Now you have what's called machane Shekinah. When you have machane Shekinah, you cannot have any lepers in that zone. So therefore, the sarat, mitzuraim, and the zavim have to leave the camp. However, huglelua parochet. Once already they folded up and they start traveling, Why? Because again, it's not the place itself that has intrinsic Kedushah. It's because the Shekhinah was there. Take the Shekhinah away, then already even the Mitzuraim is able to go. So that was Avhazda's claim to Avhazda's claim to Avhazda. So he says, So it's fine, so I'll come to you. So you don't want to come to me because you say that, and then I'll come to study uh, with you in your place. Amarle, so he says, Mutav yavo mane ben peras, etzel mane ben mane. Let the, the mane is a coin. Peras is half a coin. Let the coin, the son of a half a coin, let him come to the coin, the son of a full coin. But don't let the coin, the son of a full coin, go Which means what he was telling him is like this. Exactly. That she says, Peras Which means uh, Rav Nachman Bar Rav Hezda means Rav Nachman his father was also a rabbi where Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak he was just Yitzhak he was a rabbi but he didn't get Simicha so therefore Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak uh, comes along and says uh, it's not uh, befitting I'm a maneh bin peras I'm, I'm full I'm a rabbi but my father was was half and therefore it's not befitting that the Maneh bin Maneh, the Nachman Baraf Hezda, should have to come to the Maneh bin Peras. If anything, the Maneh bin Peras should go to the Maneh bin Maneh. That's the way he was trying to, to tell him. Now the Mefash will say, it's a little strange that Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak would call himself Maneh bin Peras. He's, he's knocking his father. He's saying, his father, my father's uh, a Peras, my father's uh, what, half? 
She's going to get Simicha, that's uh, disrespect. So the Mephashim explained that no, I think the Abed says, he wasn't referring to in his, in his knowledge, like that she says Simicha, not Simicha. He was referring to wealth. It seems Rav Hizda was a wealthy man. Where Rav Yitzhak was not wealthy. So it's not Mechubad. Uh, You're already from a wealthy uh, family. Therefore, I have to give you more kavod. My father wasn't wealthy. So that's not a, such a derogatory thing. Wealth already is, uh, you know, that's already, it is what it is. It's not a, uh, it's not a, a, a knock. In any event, that's the, uh, that's the uh, Masa over there. Okay, so let's just review the story one more time quickly. Rav Nachman bar Rav Chazda tells Rav Nachman bar Rav Yitzhak Nikum Mor Litele Gaban. So he tells Rav Nachman bar Yitzhak, why don't you come live with us? So Rav Nachman bar Yitzhak comes along and says, what are you talking? It's not, uh, not the place that gives the kavod. It's the man that gives the kavod to the place. So therefore Rav Nachman bar Rav Chazda said, okay, if that's the case, uh, I'll come to you. So he said, no, 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 no. You're already Maneh bin Maneh. The Maneh bin Maneh doesn't have to come to the Maneh bin Peras. If anything, the Maneh bin Peras has to come to the Maneh bin Maneh. Okay. Besura, in Sura, that was the city in Babel, Hava Dabarta. There was a Magifa Deber. Beshibbote de Rav, but in the neighborhood of Rav, Lo Havat Dabarta. There was no Deber. When the Deber was all over the place, where Rav lived, no Deber. The reason why this community was saved is because we have Rav living in us. His Zichut saved us. So all those people that thought it was Rav that was actually saving the neighborhood, they had a dream. To them, to those people that thought this, they had a dream. And it says like Rav the nefisha zechute tuba hamilta zutra le le Rav. Means Rav has such great zechut that he's not needed for this. Which means, of course, Rav would be able to with his zechuyot to stop the debit from coming. But you don't even need Rav for this. Rav has so much zechuyot that uh, this is too small of an item, so to speak. He didn't need Rav to cash in his zikriyot uh, for this. Somebody else was able to do this. Who's that? Ela Mishum Ahu Gavra. There was a certain person that lived in the town. Deshayil Mara Vizbila Likbura. He had a gamach. What's a gamach? Gimut Hasadim. He had a free loan uh, 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 society in his house. What would he lend out? Mara is the shovel. Vizbila is the bucket. But they used to fill up the dirt. Likbura for burial. Just anybody but Manan had a levaya, they need a shovel. They need the bucket to, to fill up the, the dirt, to dig the, the, the grave. So they went to this guy over here, and he was known to lending it out. So midah keneged midah. You went and you did a zechut for the metim, that you helped them, the metim be buried. Midah keneged midah, there won't be any metim now in your, uh, in your town. So what do you see from over here? The zechut of Gemilut Hasadim, it protected the whole entire town, which is you had Rav living in the town. But why? Because some fellow lent out his shovel. Hinnam for free. Look at that. It saved up the whole entire town from death. Which is the power of doing Kibut Hasadim. We think it's a small uh, thing. A guy lends, uh, you know, has a, something that he, that he designates in his house, that he lends it out to people. It's a big, 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 big zechut. It can protect the whole neighborhood. Similarly, the Kibara says. Bedrokere tavat delikta. It was fire 
that broke out in Drokeret. But in Ravuna's area, the fire did not go. There's a fashor, Ravuna's echut is tremendous. That's why there's no fire. Again, they came to those people in a dream. They said, Hai zutra Ravuna. This is small for Ravuna. There's a certain lady, the Mehameme Tanura, she heats up her oven, and she lends it out to all the neighbors. In the olden days, it was expensive to run an oven. You needed wood. Wood was very expensive. Not everybody could afford to you know, heat up their ovens. So what did she do? She would go make sure her oven was always... Was always on. Anybody in the town needed to bake bread or bake anything? You go to this lady over there, the oven's on, and she lends it out for free. So, Mishud, she lent her fire to others. But Eolam said, this town over is going to be saved from fire. Again, you see, it's not a small act. This is a tremendous act in the Shabbat. Here, somebody lends a couple of pieces of wood to their friend. Say, we'll protect the whole village. They told Rav Yehuda, the locust. The grasshoppers are here. He saw his grasshoppers in the city. Gazar ta'ita. So right away, he declared an immediate fast. Amru le lo kamafsedan. So what are you talking about? We didn't say they're eating anything. We just said that the grasshoppers are in the uh, in the town. What are, you, what are you declaring a fast for? They didn't uh, they didn't eat anything yet. They didn't damage. Amar lehu zavda aitu bahadayu. But did they bring their uh, snack with them? Did they bring their luggage with them? Which, what do you think? They're going to eat. What do you think? They have food with them? They want a lunchbox with them? The, the grasshoppers? They're going to eat eventually. What do you think the grasshoppers are going to do? They don't have their, uh, their, uh, their sedah with them, their, their, their food provisions. Therefore, once you see them, already you have to fast. Others explain differently what he told them. They, 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 obviously, these people that came to the rabbi, they don't want to fast. So, he, so what do you mean? We just saw them. They, what, are you, what are you declaring a fast for? So uh, he says, okay, you want to go eat? go eat? Go eat the luggage that they brought. They must have brought some food with them. You want to break your fast? Go eat from the food that the grasshoppers brought with them. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to tell them, what do you think? They're going to eat eventually. In his town, the pigs started to die. There was a plague that died. They, 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 they saw it killing the pigs. So right away he declared a fast. Does he hold that when you see a plague in one species, now you have to, all the other species have to worry as well? I mean, do you say that what? That once the pigs are dying, now the humans have to start worrying? Is, is, is that a rule now? That any time an animal dies of a certain disease now, every, all the human beings have to be concerned that uh, it, can, uh, uh, it can spread to them? Because we, we didn't see anywhere really that you have to call a fast for pigs dying. Mm-hmm. The contrary, for us, we have no connection to, to Hazirim. Let, let all the pigs die. Well, what would the rabbi declare a fast? Unless you want to say that no, when one species gets plagued, then uh, the other species, meaning human beings, also have to uh, be concerned. Kabbalah says, no, no, that's not so. Which means normally, if another species uh, dies from a certain disease, human beings do not have to be concerned. Shani Hazire, but pigs are different. The stomachs of the pig is similar to the human being, which is proven today, obviously the science, whatever it is, can prove it, that the digestive tract of, this, of the way the uh, pig digests food in its stomachs is similar to the human being, and therefore he held that if this disease attacks the pig, 
it can go to human beings because we have a similarity in the in the digestive in the stomachs. So therefore, it's contagious. Tafka by the pigs, and therefore he called a tani because he held it can travel to the human beings. Comes the Gemara continues. Amdu leli Shmuel. They told Shmuel, Ika motana be Hosea. There's death in the city of Hosea. Babel. Gazal tani tani. So he decreed a fast. What are you We're far away from uh, this uh, city over here. Why, why are you declaring a fast by us? So he told them, we don't have anything separating. We don't have a river separating us and Mehoza, which means it's, it, can, it, can, it can travel. We don't have a wall or a river separating between the two cities. And therefore I'm concerned that what? With the traveling between the two cities, people will uh, bring over the disease to us. And Israel. He told me, you know, there's a plague in Eris Israel. He declared a fast in Babel. If the mistress is suffering, is getting hit, the servant all the more so has to be concerned. If God attacked Eris Israel, we're next. Right, if the if the Givira, Givita is getting attacked, it's Israel. Like like we learned in the first pedic, Isa gets the first rains, and they're on uh, uh, and they get the choice uh, rains as well. And therefore, if Isa is getting attacked, so now there's that we have to be concerned. Tamad Givira v'Shifcha. So the Gemara now makes it to you. That's only because it's a relationship of a Givira and a Shifcha. Ha Shifcha v'Shifcha alo. But implied if it was two cities in Bavel, both Shifchaot. One city doesn't have to be concerned about the. Other city. Uh, we just learned the story. There was a, 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 a plague in Hosea. He made a decree in his city. I thought from Shifchat to Shifcha, you don't have to be concerned. Because there was caravans that used to go between each city. And therefore, there was travel. What's going to happen when there's travel, even today, when there's uh, diseases in one part of the world, the whole world gets concerned. Because since you have traveling between one area and another area, so everybody has to be concerned that one person living in the, the Far East can bring the disease to, to America. So the same thing over there we're saying. Normally in one place to another place in Bavir, you don't have to be concerned. But if there's traveling and caravans between the two places, you have to be worried that they're going to carry the disease from place to place. Therefore they call the Tani. Now the Gabbana tells a story about a fellow by the name of Abba Umana. Abba, the doctor. What was he? It was actually a blood letter. In the olden days it was very uh, medicinal to go to a doctor. He used to let blood out from your uh, uh, body. And that was a healing. That was a refuah. Every day, I guess in a dream, they would give him greetings from heaven. The Shammai would say, Shalom Alecha. They would give him a special greeting, a good morning, however you want to say it, every single morning from the heavens. Abaye only got this greeting once a week on Eid Shabbat. And Rava only got the greeting once a year before Kippur, Eid of Kippur. Abaye felt bad. He was actually uh, jealous. Of Abba Umana. Now this jealousy is a good jealousy. Because uh, he wants to know, what is Abba Umana doing that I'm not doing? How is he so here to get a heavenly greeting every day? And I don't get this uh, heavenly greeting. 
So they consoled him and said, listen, he does something that it's not possible for you to do. So once Abaye heard that, he was consoled away. It's not like uh, I'm you know, lacking something. He is in a position to do something that only Abba Umana can do. And what is that? Umay havu, uvda, uvdeed Abba Umana. What is Abba Umana's deeds? Dikhihaba avid milta. Whenever he would do this procedure of the bloodletting, hava mahit kavrelehud vinashelehud. He was the one that instituted separate waiting rooms. He would have a waiting room for men, and he would have a waiting room for the ladies. So for his first uh, uh, greatness was the tzini'ut. That he did not mix the men and the ladies. He first goes to the doctor, who has separate waiting rooms. Everybody sits together. And what happens? Uh, people are able to talk to each other, and istaklut, uh, etc. He made a separate thing. Men go into one room, and ladies go into another room. So already his greatness came in what field? Tzini'ut, in the, in the modesty. Furthermore, the lebusha, he patented a special robe. Not like the robes that they have in the hospitals today. The, 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 the most least sni'ut uh, robe in the world is the robes that they give in the hospitals. And the robes that they give in the, in the doctor. He, he felt that now a person is going to come in for a, a, a procedure. So the robe has to be tzini'ut. Not for the men, but for the ladies. How is he going to operate on a, on a lady if the robe is not uh, modest? So what did he do? The eat bekarna. Which means there's a certain corner of the robe. There's a hole in the robe, a little hole, the size of the kusilta, the size of the um, the incision where he's going to stick the needle in. Which means, let's say he makes the, uh, the incision for the bloodletting in the arm somewhere. So he didn't give the patient uh, a sleeveless uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, robe. It's not siniyut. So you would have a robe, full body robe, and in the spot where the, exactly the incision would be, there was a little hole, mamash the size of, he, he needs to get the, uh, the needle in in order to, to make the incision. So therefore it was really covered, so you wouldn't have to see any part of the, uh, the body uh, exposed. Okay? So Gebra says, the kusilta is the keli. That's the keli, the vessel that was used to do the bloodletting. So the hole was exactly the size of the keli. We put it on the hole, so nothing would be exposed. So again, where do you see his greatness was? Also in the yan of tzidi'ut. Kiyavat atyali itita. So when a lady would come to the office, hava malbi shla, he would dress her in this special robe. So he doesn't have to look at even a little part of the body that's exposed. Now, v'ita duchta ditzni'ah. Again, you also had another anyad of tzini'ut. Tzini'ut is not only in dress and putting men and ladies separate, but tzini'ut is a lifestyle, this year, because what did he do? At a certain place, we put a box. That's where you paid. Which means the payment was voluntary. You had a little box, you put it in a senua place over there. Not like today, a person goes to the doctor right away, they want uh, where's payment, where's your copay, where's your, where's your money, right away, they, and they won't serve you unless you pay. About when I had a different system, he had a voluntary payment system. He put a little box over there. The Shaquil, the Shaquil, where he would take payment. The Itle, Shadebe, the Letle, Lomixif. If you had money, you paid. If you didn't have money, you weren't embarrassed. Because nobody knew 
Who put in? Who didn't put in? Wasn't it wasn't in the middle of the room over there? Everybody sees who's paying. He put it in a little modest place over there. You don't know who put money in, who didn't put money in. So the people that didn't have money to pay for the procedure, they wouldn't get embarrassed. When a rabbi would come to for the procedure, he would make sure he doesn't pay. Furthermore, and not only wouldn't he take money from him, but after the procedure, he'd give him. He'd give him money. The Amar lay would tell the young rabbi, Zil Bari Nafshach. Go eat something. Go heal yourself. After a person loves blood, you need to eat something. So you'd say, Here's some money, go go have uh, go have something to eat in order to give yourself some strength. Yomahad, one day, Shadar Abaye Zugad Rabbanan Lemibdeke. Again, Abaye was the one that was a little jealous of Abba. Who's this guy every day? He's getting Shalom Alechim from the Shabbat. So he sent a pair of rabbis. Go test him. See if this guy's really legitimate or not. Utbinu. So of course, Hechtasat Urhim Abba Brought the rabbis in, he sat them down, Vachlinu, he gave them to eat, Vashkinu, he gave them to drink, Umachlihu Bistarke. He gave from them a, a beautiful woolen rug he laid out underneath them. In order, to lie on it, very expensive rug that they lied on it. Then the morning came, what did the rabbis do? They folded up the rug. They stole the rug, they took it with them. And they went to the market. They stole the rug, they wanted to see what his uh, reaction is going to be when they, when they took the rug. They walked out with his rug. Abba didn't say anything. Now they get to the marketplace. Now they're going to sell the rug. So they see Abba Abba sees the rabbis walking with his rug. They're trying to sell it. So they tell Abba Do me a favor. Could you give us uh, an estimate how much you think this rug costs? And they were testing Abba Because if he would suspect them as thieves... He would give them a low price, so he could buy it back. Now, if he didn't suspect them, he would give them the real value of uh, how much it costs. So, Amar le hache v'hache. So he tells them, this is exactly what this rug should cost, if you're selling it. Amar le v'dilma shavu tafeh. How do you know? Maybe, maybe it costs more than what you're saying. Amar le be'achi shaklinu. He says, I also bought a rug like this, a similar rug, and I know what I paid for. So therefore, but again, he didn't suspect them at that point. He didn't tell them, you get that mean, this is my rug over He told them, listen, I know the rug, because I had a similar one like that, and then that's what I paid for. Amru le didachniu. They said, uh, this is your rug. Vekshaklinu minak. And we took it from you. We were, we were testing you. Amru le, so they tell Abba Umana, bematuta minak, please forgive us. Bemahashatina. What were you thinking? When you saw us walk out with your rug, what did you suspect us? I figured for sure you need the money because you have pijon shivuim. Must be you're rescuing some Jews that are in captivity. So you needed the money in order to pay off the, uh, the kidnappers. So therefore you needed the quick cash. So you took the rug in order to sell it. And you were embarrassed to uh, ask me for the money. So you took it. Uh, so I, I, I figured for sure it's not for personal use. You're doing it for a mitzvah. Okay, now that uh, you see that that's not the case, take your rug back. He 
He said, at that moment, when you took the rug, in my mind already, I gave it to Sadaqah. I'm not taking it back. Go take the rug, sell it, take the money, and give it to Sadaqah. <laughs>